<clears throat> Actually, um, you know, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and um, I don't know, this week I just, I just um, didn't feel led to go in that direction specifically. And um, Thursday, Thursday when I was up here, <clears throat> I was just meditating. And, um, and the Lord just dropped that phrase into my spirit, be still and know that I am God. And I don't know, you know how it is sometimes you'll, uh, you'll like, something like that will come to your mind and, and you'll just kind of won't pay it any mind. It's like, yeah, that's, praise God, be still and know that I'm God, you know. Except it was one of those things where it wouldn't go away. And, um, <clears throat> and, and quite honestly, that was like, that's like all I could get. It's like, okay. As I meditated, it's like, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. I'm like, okay. I'm going to be still and I'm going to know that you're God. Be still and know that I'm God. It's like, okay, I'm going to be even more still. And God, if you're trying to tell me something, tell me. And then I heard, be still and know that I'm God. <laughs> and it's like, okay, Lord. But that's, that's just, it just kept going around in my spirit. And even this morning when I woke up, when I went to bed last night, when I woke up this morning, I woke up this morning, it was the first thing in my mind, be still and know that I am God. And so um, when, when the Lord first gave me this, I just, I just really began to meditate on Psalm 46. And, um, and I just really felt like God wanted me to, to, to minister out of Psalm 46 today. And as I just begin to, to open my heart to what, what this psalm says, uh, the Lord just really kind of took me in a direction that I wasn't expecting to go in. And so, I want you to hear what the word of the Lord is uh, to us tonight, to, to His church. Amen? Because this is a word of the Lord to the church. God is speaking to His body. Do you guys know that? The Lord is speaking to His body in the earth. And it doesn't matter if it's Christ Fellowship in Taylor or First Church and wherever or the Second Church. For those that have ears to hear, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is speaking. And, and I believe that we're living in, in a time and in days where we need to hear what God is speaking to His people. God's not just saying things just to fill time and fill space. Psalm 46, let's go there together. Let's read this psalm together. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. And then it says Selah, which is like a pause there. There's a pause there. And there's a pause for you to consider what God has just said. And then the psalm continues and it says, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. Now, I want you to see how the psalmist wrote this psalm, how the Spirit of God inspired him to write this. This psalm begins by declaring, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And if there was ever a time where we needed to know that truth, this is the time. There have been other times, I'm sure, where people had to know it equally as much as we know it, as we need to know it today. But I'm telling you, I don't believe there's ever been a time where we need to know it, where it's been need to know more. In other words, 
If there is a time, now is a time for us to know that God is our refuge and He is our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, what does it say? We will not fear. Why? Because God is our refuge. Because God is our ever-present help in time of trouble. And even though the earth be removed. Think about that. That is an extreme statement. But the psalmist is saying, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of our God. Even though the earth be removed, even though the mountains slide into the sea, even though the oceans be troubled and the mountains rise up with its swelling, there is a river whose streams will make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. In the midst of what? In the midst of this city. In the midst of His tabernacle. And she shall not be moved. Though the earth be removed. Though the mountains be carried away. Though the waters roar and be troubled. She shall not be moved. Do you hear what the Lord is saying? She shall not be moved. Are you being moved? By the troubles that are around you. Are you being moved right now in this troubled world. This troubled age that we live in. The word of the Lord to you is do not be moved. Do not be moved. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. Just at the break of dawn. They say it's darkest just before dawn. And just when it seems like it can't get any darker, God is going to show up. And there will be a light that shall break. But it's not going to be the light of the S-U-N. It's going to be the light of the S-O-N. The light of the sun. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 47. When I read this psalm, and that, that, that verse, remember that what God gave me was, be still and know that I'm God. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't even know that. I've heard that scripture before. There is a, there is a, a river whose streams shall make glad the city of our God, but I didn't know that Scripture and this Scripture were in the same psalm until I read Psalm 46 again. And I saw both of them. And the Scripture the Lord gave me was, Be still and know that I'm God. But when I read Psalm 46, and I saw that, man, it just went off in my spirit. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of our God. God said, you read Ezekiel 47 very carefully. And I know what Ezekiel 47 is about. It's about the river that flows from the throne of God. And I've heard all kinds of teachings about this river and what it represents. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't know, I've heard a bunch of them and I've listened to a bunch of teachings and and, uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. I don't subscribe to all of them. But the Lord took me to this scripture and I'm going to tell you what God revealed to me when I read Ezekiel 47. Let's let's just begin in verse 1 there. It says, then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east, and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. And he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. There was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out on the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits. So, get the picture. 
Ezekiel is seeing the temple and there is water running under the threshold from the temple. Okay? A threshold speaks of a door. Amen? That's what a, a, a threshold, you know what a threshold is? It held the thresh. <laughs> the hay they would put inside the house, they'd build a threshold so the hay wouldn't leave because they'd put that in the, the floor. That was where, that was the, 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 the threshold, speaks of a door. So coming from the door of the temple, we might say, there is a river, there is water flowing. And Ezekiel in his vision says a man comes with a line and this man measures from the threshold of the temple where the water's coming from. He measures a thousand cubits. One thousand cubits. And he says this, And the water came up to my ankles. He brought me through the waters and the water came up to my ankles. Again he measured one thousand cubits and brought me through the water and the water came up to my knees. There's 2,000 cubits he's measured. And again he measured 1,000 and brought me through. And the water came up to my waist. That's 3,000 cubits he measured. And then it says, again he measured 1,000. And it was a river that I could not cross. For the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim. A river that could not be crossed. And he measured again, there were 4,000 cubits he measured. And when he got to the 4,000th cubit, and when he got to that fourth measurement of 1,000, he measured in units of 1,000 or in, in measurements of 1,000. When he got to the 4,000, he said the river was too deep, I could not cross it. It had to be, you had to get in it and swim. And to swim, what do you have to do? You got to get in. You don't swim by dangling your foot in it. You don't swim when it's ankle deep. You don't swim when it's knee deep. You don't even swim necessarily when it's waist deep. You don't have to. But when it's too deep and you can't walk across, you can't cross it anymore, if you're going to deal with it, you got to swim. And the only way you can swim is to what? Get in. He measured four times 1,000 cubits from Adam to Christ. You know how many years it was? It was 4,000 years. From Adam to Christ, it was 4,000 years. Go to John chapter 7. Immediately, I thought, four thousands. Why? Why? Why four thousands? And from the beginning of this flow, from the threshold of the tabernacle, four thousand cubits out, four thousands were measured, and when you get to the fourth thousand, the river was so deep, you couldn't cross it. The only way to deal with it was to swim. And to swim, you got to get in. And in John 7.37, it says, On the last day, that great day of the feast. Now, I love the feasts, the Jewish feasts. And I've studied the Jewish feasts pretty extensively. And they're fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. And I happen to know that in John chapter 7 here, this is speaking of the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus is celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And on the last day of that great feast, Tabernacles was one of the feasts that, that lasted for seven days. And on the last day, the great day of that feast, it was called the Great Halal. And on that day, there was a ceremony called the Water Drawing Ceremony. And the priest would go down to the well and they would draw waters from the well. Isaiah 12, 3 says, And you shall draw waters from the 
well of salvation and they would draw waters from the well and they would have this big, elaborate, celebratory procession back to the temple and they would get to the temple and they would take the water that was drawn from the well of salvation and they would pour it upon the altar in the temple and let the water flow out. Now the Feast of Tabernacles is significant because the Feast of Tabernacles is the feast that celebrates God with us. It is the feast that celebrates the millennium. It is the feast that celebrates the time when God will come down to earth and dwell with man. It's called the Feast of Booths also because the Jews for seven days they build booths and they sleep outside under the stars in what they call booths. But it's not a completely closed booth. They leave enough space so that when they lay at night, they can look up and they can see the stars through the, through the roof of their booth, made with the branches of, of, of trees, made with limbs. And it celebrates God coming down and dwelling, tabernacling with us. That's why it's called tabernacles. It is this feast that Jesus is standing up on that day when they've gone to get the water and they're bringing the water from the well of salvation back and they're getting ready to pour it upon the altar. And as this is taking place, guess what Jesus does? He stands up, it says, on that great day of the feast. He stood and cried out, and not with a little voice, but with a great voice, I believe. He cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In other words, Jesus was proclaiming, what you're doing right now at this temple, pouring that water upon that altar, that speaks of me. And if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, Jesus said. He who believes in me, look at this church, don't miss it. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow a little bit of water. Uh uh. Out of his heart will flow not a river but will flow rivers, plural, rivers of living water. Ezekiel had a vision, and God took him in the spirit to the temple, and he saw from the threshold of the temple water coming out, and at first it was only ankle deep, then it was knee deep, then it was waist deep, then it becomes such a great river that the water was so vast, so great, that it could not be crossed, and it could only be swam in, And Ezekiel said the only way we could deal with this river is to get in it. It wasn't a little flow. It was a great flow. You might say that it was rivers of water that Ezekiel experienced at that 4,000th measurement. And 4,000 years after Adam was created, Jesus stands in the temple on the Feast of Tabernacles. The last time he would celebrate tabernacles on this earth in a human body. He stood there. This was the tabernacle that was before the Passover in which he would be crucified. It's why it was this Feast of Tabernacles that Jesus stood and proclaimed this statement. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, for out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Are you catching it, church? Where shall the rivers of living water flow from? Out of your heart. Out of whose heart? Out of his heart will flow. Whose heart? He who believes in me, Jesus said. Then verse 39 tells us exactly what Jesus was speaking of here. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus has, was not yet glorified. Jesus was speaking prophetically of what was coming. It was coming. The only thing now was that he had to go to the cross 
And he had to be raised, and he had to ascend to the Father. And once he ascended to the Father, he was going to send the river. He said, it's here, guys. What Ezekiel prophesied, it's here right now. Get ready, for out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. He spoke this concerning the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit to be in us. Guess what? We must be in Him. If we're going to swim, what do we have to do? we got to get in. And for the Holy Spirit to be in me in order for those rivers of living water to flow from me, guess where I've got to be? In Him. I've got to be in the river. Go to Revelation 21. Now, if you read all of that in Ezekiel, you'll see that, the, that what Ezekiel wrote about this river parallels very closely what John, the revelator, writes right here that we're fixing to look at. Revelation 21, let's go to verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Who's the angel talking about? The bride, the lamb's wife. Might I tell you that the bride, the lamb's wife, is the church. It is the church. And he says, I'm going to show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. Where did he carry him away? To a great and high mountain. Where was he? He was in the spirit. He carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Where was John? He was in the spirit. Was there a literal city coming down out of heaven right then? No. John was in the Spirit. And in the Spirit, God was showing him something that is true. That is absolutely true. He said, I'm going to show you the bride of the Lamb. Is Jesus going to marry a city? Uh-uh. He ain't going to marry a city. That city represents something. He's not going to marry a city any more than Jesus is a literal lamb. He's not a lamb. He's the, he is the, 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 the Son of God. He's the God-man. He's not a lamb. He is the Lamb of God figuratively, but He's not literally a lamb. Jesus ain't going to literally marry a city. He's going to marry a bride. And she is the church. He is going to marry a people. And that people is going to become one with Him. And that's exactly why marriage, right from the beginning with Adam and Eve, God says the two shall become how many? One. Are there two anymore? No, there's only one. In God's eyes, are there two? No, there's only one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's three persons in one Godhead, but how many gods do we have? We've only got one. There's three persons, but how many gods do we have? There's only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is not three gods, not two gods, but one God. A man and a woman are two, but when they are joined in holy matrimony, they become one. And so John says, I beheld the great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven. Look at this, having the glory of God, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, her light. This city has a light, like a jasper stone. I have no idea what a jasper stone is, but I know what clear as crystal means. It was pure. It was bright. There wasn't any tint to it. It was the brightest, lightest, whitest, purest light you could ever possibly imagine. That was the light. That was the light of this city. Now fast 
forward with me. Who is the bride of the Lamb? It's the great city of who? Of God. Now go to verse 22. And he's still talking about this city. Now he's describing the foundations. Representing the twelve apostles. He's describing the twelve gates. Representing the twelve tribes of Jacob. What is significant about that? What's significant is that he is saying this city is open for all. Doesn't matter race, creed, color, Jew, Gentile. Makes no difference. There's only one qualification required. And that is, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But let's, before we get there, I get ahead of myself. Let's look at verse 22. He's talking about this city who is the bride of the Lamb. In verse 22 he says, But I saw no temple. Say no temple. I saw no temple. Now, now this is John, a good Jew, living in a time when the temple was the center of the universe for these guys. Ezekiel had a vision. And where did the river come from? It came from the temple. But yet, when this angel carried John away in the spirit, took him to a high mountain, showed him the city, took him to the city, he said, in this city there was no temple. For the Lord, look at this church, this is so, so important. Because it's going to help you understand and it's going to give you a revelation of what Jesus really declared on that Feast of Tabernacles in John 7. When he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John says, I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Whew. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it. Why? For the glory of God illuminated it. What illuminated it? The glory of God illuminated it. And he defines what that glory is right next. The Lamb is its light. Who is the glory of God? Jesus. Where is the glory of God revealed? 2 Corinthians 4, 6. And God shone out of the darkness of our heart that we might see, that we might know the glory of the living God, where? In the face of Jesus Christ, he says. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. Where is? Paul says in Colossians, he is the fullness of God's glory. And John says, I saw the city, the bride of the Lamb. There was no temple in it for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb or its temple. There was no need for the sun or for the moon, for the glory of the Lord illuminated it, and the Lamb is its light. The Lamb is its light. The Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the Lamb is its light. John 15, 26, Jesus speaking to his disciples, telling them that he is going to go away, but he's going to send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, and he says in verse 26, John 15, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you, where? From the Father. Who is the temple? The Lord God Almighty, the Father and the Son. They are the temple. And what is its light? It's illuminated with the glory of God. And the Lamb is its light. And Jesus told his disciples, I'm going to go away to the Father, but I'm going to send you a Helper from the Father. Who's going to send him? Jesus said, I will send him. I will send you, what? The Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, who issues from the Father, who flows from the Father. Just like a river, he flows from the Father. The Father is the throne, and from the throne, the Spirit flows. From the throne, the Spirit issues forth. And he said, I'm going to send you an issue, a flow from the Father. Are you catching it, church? I'm going to send you a flow from the Father. Ezekiel, the great prophet, had a vision. And he saw something in the Spirit that he could only see with his spiritual eyes. 
He couldn't touch it. He couldn't feel it. He could only see the river. He couldn't get in the river. He could spiritually walk through it, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. He stood at its banks and said, this river is so great, it's so massive, it's so powerful, I can't cross it. The only thing I could do possibly is jump in it and swim in it. But he couldn't do that. Why? Because he was only having a vision by the Spirit. You begin to understand why the Scripture says the Old Testament prophets long for what we now experience. Because I'm going to tell you what, church. The river is here. It's here. It's here. Jesus stood on that great day of the feast. He said, I'm telling you what, guys. You're pouring water out of golden vessels there. You went and drew that water from a well, and that's all well and good. And you are doing what my Father has told you to do in keeping the feast. But don't think for one minute, now I am the river standing in your midst. I am the throne of God, and I'm fixing to send the river forth. Do you see it? Guys, do you see it? Hey, you priest, do you see it? You scribes and you Pharisees, do you see it? You people in this parade carrying this water to the temple, do you see the river that is getting ready to issue forth? It's already past your waist. It's fixing to go over your head. It's fixing to consume you and you don't even know it. You're getting ready to drown in this river and you don't even know it, God says. So he cries and he says, Listen, anyone who thirsts, let him come to me. And I'll give him drink. And from his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you will believe in me. If you'll believe in me. Jesus said, if you'll believe in me. From your heart, the river will issue forth. Why? Because your heart is the throne God wants to sit on. Your heart is the seat from which God Almighty and the Lamb desire to rule from. Will you let me sit upon the throne of your heart? Will you let me rule your life as the King of kings and the Lord of lords that I am? See, we're waiting for something that's going to happen one day. And Jesus said, you better get a re a revelation and a reality check about what's already taken place. Or you know what's going to happen? The church today is going to be like the Pharisees of yesterday. And we've got the fulfillment right in our midst, but we are blind to it because we've believed the theologies of men and we've created our own mindsets and we're not going to believe what the Scripture says. You don't think it can happen to us today? How did it happen to those guys in Jesus' day? Tell me. How could it have happened to them? Now, I'll guarantee you, they knew the Scripture better than 9.9 .9 out of 10 Christians today. It wasn't because they didn't know the Word. They knew the Word. The question is, do you know Jesus? Have you caught a revelation of what Jesus has done. Do you realize that the, the, the river has already issued forth from the Father? And on that great day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and when the fullness of the day had Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost had come, what did God do? God poured out his spirit on all flesh. Who says? The scripture says. I'm going to tell you what, I am not going to argue with the Apostle Peter. Now I know. Men of God today say, well, half of that scripture was fulfilled. The rest is yet to be fulfilled. God has not poured out his spirit on all flesh. Well, you go ahead and argue with Peter. And you argue with the Bible. But I'm going to take the Bible literally for what it says right there. And it says, Peter says, this is, today, this scripture is fulfilled. From the prophet Joel when he said, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh folks the river is here we ain't waiting for more of the river to get here the river is here it's as deep as you want it to be as deep as you can go in that river that's how deep it is 
And if you dare to go even deeper than your wildest imagination, you will never find the bottom of that river. And the only way you're going to deal with it is to get in it and swim in it. And if we're waiting for God to pour out more of His river, to bring another wave of His glory, more water, more river, you are deceived, folks. Because God says the river has issued forth. Jesus stood on the great day and He warned them. And here's what He said in our modern vernacular. Guys, get ready. The dam is fixing to break. The door is fixing to be opened from the temple and the water is coming. Are you ready for it? Are you just walking around on the bank and you don't even know there's a river there? It's been poured out. There's a lot of people walking around in the desert going, I wonder when God's going to pour His Spirit out. I wonder when God's going to bring the river. Honey, the river's here. It's here. It's here. It's here right now. It's issuing from the throne. It's issuing from the throne right now. It's flowing from the throne right now. Jesus said, I'll send it to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who will proceed from the Father, and He will testify. This river, this Spirit, will testify of what? It will testify of me, Jesus said. The river flows from the temple, from the Lamb, who is Christ, the Lord God Almighty. Now go to, go to Revelation chapter 22. Well, let's just read from where we were in verse 23. Let's read all the way to chapter 22. Let's start in 22. Let's read verse 22 of, of Revelation 21. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or of the moon or to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Into what? Into this city. Into this church. Into this bride of Christ. They will bring their glory and their honor into it. And they're all welcome as long as they what? Recognize, believe in, trust in the king. And the gates shall not be shut all the day. There shall be no night there. And they shall, they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. There shall be by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. God's not marrying a liar. God's not marrying anything that's an abomination to His Father or to Himself. He said the only thing that shall come into it shall be those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. Proceeding where? From the throne of God and of the Lamb. Ezekiel said, I saw from the threshold of the temple a river issuing forth. And four, 1,000 measurements later, this river was so wide and it was so deep, it could not be crossed. In 4,000 years from the creation of the first man, there stood in that temple Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, proclaiming the river is on its way. In just a few days, it will be here. Are you ready for it? And he said, I saw this river proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. We've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. You see where the fruit yields from? You see where the fruit grows from? Read Ezekiel's vision. He said, along this river, the trees that were planted there, their leaves don't fail, their fruit never fails. It hearkens to Psalm 1, blessed is the man whose meditation is in the Lord. And, and, and the writer, David, said, he'll be like tree." Like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaf doesn't fail, whose fruit always comes forth in its season, and it shall prosper in every season. Who shall the man who is like a tree planted where? By the rivers of water. Which river? What river do you think David was talking about? 
He was talking about this river. This river of the Spirit issuing forth from God Almighty Himself. And He says, The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives light to them. And they shall reign forever and ever. And Ezekiel says, go back to Ezekiel chapter 47. I love this, what Ezekiel says in chapter nine, in uh, verse 9. Ezekiel 47, 9. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. Every living thing. There will be no dead things in that river. There will be no death in that river. Wherever that river goes... There shall be life. Ezekiel said it's the funniest thing. Every place that river went. Wherever the living things were. And that river was. There was life. There was only one place in Ezekiel's vision. Where there was no Life from that river. There was no living water to be found. It was in the swamps, in the marshes. Do you know why a swamp is a swamp and a marsh is a marsh? Do you know what kind of water you will not find in a swamp or in a marsh? You will not find living water. You know what living water is? Living water is water that's defined as moving. Living water will never become stagnant. You know why a marsh becomes stagnant? Because there's no movement. And where there's no sustained movement, things begin to die. There's no oxygenation of the water. And things begin to die. You know what happened to the men of Jesus' day? They became like a marsh and a swamp. Oh, there was water that flowed there at one time. But the problem was they became stagnant. The problem was they became blind. And they couldn't see the one who would issue forth the river that was in their very midst. There was no life in them anymore. There was no flow in them anymore. There was no movement in them anymore. They just parked themselves and they got stuck in a rut and they became a swamp and a marsh and they began to die and they began to stagnate. But in the vision, guess what? The river just flows right on. It flows right on. It leaves the marsh. It leaves the swamp. And there are dead things in the marsh and the swamp. But guess what? The river of God keeps flowing. And here's what Ezekiel says. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes. Did you catch that? The living things that move where? Wherever the river goes. Who is the river that issues forth from your heart? It is the spirit of the living God. And if you go where the Spirit of God takes you, guess what? You will live. You will live. You will be full of life. This is the river. This river that proceeds from the throne. This is the river Ezekiel saw. But don't think we got to wait one day in the sweet by and by to jump in it. Because it's here right now. 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost when Jesus ascended to his Father. And on that day of that feast when the fullness of time had come. When the day of Pentecost had fully come the scripture says. God poured out his spirit. He said it's time. There had been a trickle all of the ages there had been a witness and a testimony of God's Spirit. But as that measurement kept going, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 
And on that fourth measurement of a thousand, that river got so deep and so wide, it was undeniable. And Jesus stood up and he cried, it's here, folks. Get ready. The dam's about to bust. And he went to his father. And from that door of the temple, who is the door? You wonder why? Ezekiel says, and from the threshold of the temple, from the doorway of the temple, Jesus said, I am the door, I am the gate, I am the way. Where did that come from? It came from the door. It came from Jesus. He said, I'm going to my Father, and I'm going to send to you from my Father a river of the Spirit. And it's here, folks. Don't think because you don't see it, it's not here. Don't think because you don't feel it, it's not here. Because it's not a river you see, it's not a river you feel. It's a river of the Spirit. And it transcends this flesh, it transcends this natural order. But don't underestimate its power just because you can't feel it and just because you can't touch it. See, we're so married to what we can feel and what we can touch, we ascribe power to what we can feel, to what we can touch, to what we can experience. But God says, no, uh-uh. my power is much greater than what you can experience, much greater than what you can feel, much greater than what you can see, much greater than what you can touch. My power is accessed by faith. My power is known by revelation. My power is not of this flesh It's not of this world. It's not of this created order. My power is beyond. It's above natural. It's supernatural. It's above the natural. And if we are only looking through natural eyes, we've missed it. Why? Because it's above the natural. It's supernatural. That's what super means. It's above. And the problem with the church today is we got our natural eyeballs looking at natural things. And we're going, I don't see God. I don't feel God. I don't, I don't see God at work anywhere. I just see the devil working everywhere. Well, honey, you better get your eyes out of the natural. You better get them above the natural. Because the God you serve, there's nothing natural about him. But when we start living in, moving in, walking in, the supernatural realm, because that's where we live, because that's the kind of creation we are. We're not natural creations. We're supernatural creations. We've been given not natural power. We've been given supernatural power. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal. They're mighty in God. And who is God? He is the supernatural, almighty, majestic, glorious, all-powerful, all-knowing God of creation. That's where our power comes from. That's where the river flows from. That's the river God says, jump in, honey. The water is... Right. It's time for you to get in. Stop wandering around in this desert land wondering when the river's going to come. It's here right now. This is the river of living water that speaks of the Spirit of God. It's what Jesus spoke of on that day. This is the river that shall make glad the city of Our God, even though the earth be removed, even though everything around us crumble and fall and melt, there is a city whose streams shall make glad the city of our God. This is the river that brings a peace that passes understanding. This is a river that brings a joy and a life wherever it goes. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace. How can I have joy and peace when when the earth itself is being removed? How can I? Because you're in the river, that's why. And the river and the city, they won't be moved. Because God is with them. And He will not allow anything that this world order is going through. No shaking. Nothing is going to touch them. Because He holds you in the palm of His hand. Because you belong to Him. Why? Because you are His bride. You are His holy city. You are His new Jerusalem. You are the apple of His eye. You are the one that He is waiting to glorify. He's coming back for you. And He wants you. He desires you to be glorious. Why? Because He's glorious. The glory of God will illuminate this city. And the Lamb is its light. 
And we are the bride of the Lamb. That means we possess His light. And we possess His glory. This is the river that gives life to all that is planted along its flow. Our leaf will not fail. Our fruit will always come forth. We'll prosper in everything that we do. If what? If we're planted along the flow of this river. Because wherever this river goes, everything that lives and moves with this river is alive. It cannot die. The river, this is the river that ensures the fruit of those trees will not fail. This is the river producing the unfailing fruit of the Spirit. This is the works of the flesh, Paul says, but this, this is the fruit of the Spirit. And against this, there is no law. And this river of the Spirit will ensure that fruit will come forth. It will not fail. Your joy must not fail. Your joy in Him cannot fail. Your peace cannot fail. If your peace fails, your peace is not in Him. Your peace is in this world. And there is no peace in this world. If your joy fails, your joy is in this world. And there is no joy in this world. There isn't. If your love has failed, it's because your love is in this world. And there is no love in this world. There is only love in Him because He is love. Now let's go back to Psalm 46. And let's read the rest of the psalm. Can you see the river? Can you see the river? You ever been, you ever been somewhere where, where there's just living water? I mean, it's like water crashing, water vapor. Do you know there's an energy there? Have you ever noticed that? Scientifically, that's a proven fact. I can't remember if it's negative ions or whatever it is that that water, that living water generates and it produces in you a natural euphoria. It's a real, it's a real uh, phenomenon. Living water. I'm telling you what, the river that is issuing from the throne of God, there is no living water like it on earth. There is no flow like it upon this earth. It's a heavenly flow. It's a supernatural flow. There's an energy that's produced by this living water that you will never find in this natural realm. But it's there and it's real. And Jesus said, it's yours. It will issue from your heart if you will believe in me. If you will believe in me. In Psalm 46, let's read it again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear even though the earth be removed. And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea... Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of our God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. That's us, church. She shall not be moved. You are not to be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered His voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Can I just say something right there? You may think that speaks of a future day. And no doubt there are days coming when nations will rise and, and there will be things done. But, but can I tell you something? For me, that scripture is as real and as fulfilled right now as it ever will be. Because when Jesus Christ hung on that cross, he made desolations in this earth. He caused every kingdom of the enemy. He caused every scheme of the enemy. He caused every power, every principality, every stronghold of darkness in this created order. He brought it to desolation right there. Where? At the cross. Colossians said he triumphed over them. Where? At the cross. And I don't think God is talking about earthly armies here. 
Oh, it can apply to earthly armies, but I think God is speaking of something much greater than earthly armies. Just like the the streams and the rivers that will make glad the city of our God, it's not an earthly river. It's not an earthly stream. It's a stream, it's a river that's going to issue forth from the Father. And the desolations and the victory that God has brought in His Son, Jesus Christ, the chariots that have been burnt, the things that have been laid to waste, those are the things of the enemy. That's why He said, people, don't be moved. Don't fear. Behold the work of the Lord. I will make desolate your enemies. I will make desolate those that have risen up against you. There is a stream, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And it will issue forth. And because it issues forth, your enemies have been made desolate. Look what he says. Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. In other words, what he says, stop, cease. No, you don't fight. No, you don't struggle. No, you don't raise a finger. You be still and know. Know what? Know that I am God. I will make desolate your enemies. I will burn the chariots of your enemies. I will lead captive I will make an open show and a humiliation of powers and principalities. I will triumph over them. You be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. He tabernacles with us. He is the God who is with us. He came and He dwelt among us in Jesus Christ. And He dwells among us today. How? By the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. It is in this river that I come to know and experience His life. It is in this river that I am carried along, not by my power, but by His power. Have you ever been in a river that's flowing pretty good? Have you ever noticed you're pretty powerless over it? I don't know about you, but I think the river coming from the throne of God right now is flowing pretty good. And God says, get in it. And you might as well just be still because you're not going to fight it. You have no power against its flow. You can't stop its flow. All you can do is abide in it and let it take you where it wants to go. You try to paddle to the side, you're going to get stuck over here in a marsh and a swamp. And there ain't no life there, so you better get back in the flow and let the river take you where it wants to go. In this river, I am to come and to behold the works of the Lord. Not by my might, not by my power, but by His Spirit, says the Lord. Has He already brought desolation? Has He already given us the victory in Jesus Christ? In this river, I learn to be still and know that He is God. Amen? Amen? There is a river flowing, church. And we need to get our eyes open and we need to see it. And the river calls us. The Spirit calls us to this river. Because that's where life is. And I'm not talking about some Pentecostal theology. I'm talking about the reality of the Holy Ghost that is in the earth today. For those who will receive Him If you will receive Christ, listen, when you receive Christ, you receive Him. If you haven't received the Spirit, you haven't received Christ. God ain't withholding anything from you. You and I and the church better start living in the reality that she is in right now. Either Christ is in you or He's not. Either you're in the river or you're not in the river. And if you're not in the river, you're in trouble. You're in trouble, whether you know it or not, you're in trouble. Because if you're not in the river, you're not where life is. Come on up, guys. Because the only place life exists is where the river goes. And it's in in the river. It's in the Spirit. It's by His Spirit that strongholds are broken.
It's by His Spirit. It's by that power that we are set free. It's how we're brought to know the truth, and the truth will make us free. And if you've been living in this world, and you feel like the world is dissolving around you, and the mountains are sliding into the sea, and the earth feels like it's being removed right out from under your very feet, I'm going to tell you what, not I, but God says don't fear. God says don't be moved, I'm with you. God says stop looking at the mountains sliding into the sea. Stop concentrating on the earth trembling beneath you. He says I'm greater than that. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of our God. And honey, if you're in Christ, you're in the river. And if you're in the river, the water's insulating you from all the shaking and everything that's going on around you. 